The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Let me ask you this question. Do you put God in a corner? Right now, because as church, God is front and center in your lives. But what happens later on? What happens in the rest of your day, the rest of your week? Do you take God and, and just set him aside and put him off in a corner, so to speak? Not really concerned about him or his ways, maybe even his presence in your life? i got a feeling we probably all do that. When it comes to uh, other aspects of our life, you know, school or, or work, maybe even home or our activities in the community, maybe God is simply put off into the corner. You know, a lot of attention right now is being given to various aspects of our life by our presidential candidates. They're concerned with laying out their plans on how they're going to make our life better. And, and that includes things with the economy and things with education and health care and defense and, and, and in employment, too. And we are called upon to trust their plans because their plans are going to work. How do we know? Well, as we hear more and more of what these plans are, we want to put emphasis on this in our lives first. We want to put God back in the center of every aspect of our life and trust God's plans over man's plans. And so that'll be the series of messages we hear this month as we hear about God's plans for education and and defense, and the economy, and today, about work. We do so with this passage in mind from Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Well, it's Labor Day weekend. And have you ever noticed what we do to celebrate labor or work? We take off. <laughs> now, you would think if, if you were you know, really excited about or wanted to celebrate work, you'd go to work. <laughs> but we Americans do just the opposite. We take off. Now, maybe that's meant as a time for us to celebrate the fact that we do have labor or work. But let me ask you this, what's your attitude going to be about work on Tuesday morning when you have to go back, right? Will you be wishing for another day of vacation? Well, maybe not. Maybe you're quite satisfied with your job, although there are some people who at this time wish they had a job. In all of that, we focus our attention on this aspect of work. And so today we want to look at the scriptures and see how it is that we should be trusting God's labor plans. And to do so, we're going to start out by reminding ourselves of what God's perspective is on work. And to understand what his perspective is, let's take a look at the other side, though, first. Let's take a look at what the secular view of work is. Some people may see work as good because work gives them identity. 
Just think about it. When you meet somebody and are, and are having a conversation with them, one of the first questions you ask is, well, what do you do? Where do you work? What's your job? We immediately try to identify somebody or, or put a, a, a characterization to them by what they do with their work. In fact, at some places, they'll have a, a name tag or something will be embroidered on their, on their shirt, their uniform, that says what they do. Maybe it says, uh, you know, I'm your food server, or, I, or I'm your uh, service manager, or your customer service representative, or something like that. But in a more personal way, we see that work gives us identity, too. It's, it's who we are, right? It's our purpose. It, it characterizes so much of our, our day and, and a good portion of our lifetime. Now, there's a little bit of a danger, of course, in that. What happens if you lose your job? What happens if you're searching for a new career? Does that mean now you're a, a nobody? <laughs> of course not. But so much of our identity seems to come from work. Now, another view of work is that it gives us purpose and, and pride. That's why we get up in the morning and, and leave the house. It gives us a purpose for being. In fact, that purpose has been there maybe for a long time because it already started when we were in school and, and had our eyes on a particular job or career that we wanted. And we went through all of that training. And so it has given us a purpose. And, and we see that what we do has an effect on other people. And, and maybe we're part of a, a company that's produced a, a great product or provides a super service, and that gives us a sense of pride. Some people might just simply see work as an obligation. It's what is expected of us, right? That's why we go to school, to be trained so we have skills, so we can get a job and support ourselves. We go to work because we owe we might even be mindful of the scripture passage that says, the one who doesn't work shouldn't eat. But did you notice something that's missing from all of this? God. It's easy to take God out of our concept of work and put him off in the corner. In fact, King Solomon, in looking at work, Notice that's often what people do. Listen to his words from the book of Ecclesiastes. What do people get for all their work and struggling here on earth? All their lives their work is full of pain and sorrow, and even at night their minds don't rest. This is also useless. Now listen how he turns it around as he goes on. The best that people can do is eat, drink, and enjoy their work. I saw that even this comes from God. Because no one can eat or enjoy life without him. If people please God, people will, God will give them wisdom, knowledge, and joy. What he's telling us is, let's get a different perspective on our work, one that includes God, that puts him in the center. So let's take a look at what the sacred view of work would be, that is, with having God in the center. 
First of all, we will recognize that work is a gift from God. I'm sure you may not be thinking about that on Tuesday morning when you go back to work. This is a gift from God. In fact, as I say that, you might be wondering, well, where's the exchange line? How long do I have to turn this back in and get something else? But it is a gift from God. Now, oftentimes, because work can be toilsome and hard and painful, we don't see it as a blessing, as a gift. In fact, we might be reminded that it was after the fall into sin that God said work would now be toilsome and troublesome. But Solomon reminds us that it is a gift. Listen to his words once more. This is what I have observed to be good, that it is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them. For this is their lot. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. So as we take a look at the aspect of work or labor today, let's put that foremost in our view. Work is a gift from God. And the reason is because this is God's way of providing for us. We trust that God will provide, and he certainly can in miraculous ways, like he did when he fed those 5,000 people. But he also reminded us that we shouldn't just expect that he will rain down the miracle of provision. Instead, God works through natural ways to provide for us, and one of those ways is work. He has given us gifts and abilities, provided us with the opportunities that we can meet our needs. It is, as the scripture says, if no one works, then they shouldn't eat, because God has provided the means for us to support ourselves. We also recognize that this is the means by which God enables us to take care of others, our family, for example. In fact, the scriptures say, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Through our work, God also gives us the means by which we can support others, those who are poor or needy. It's also the means by which God allows us to support the ministry of his church. And finally, we recognize that this is God's way of providing for the general welfare of mankind. Because being in the labor force is like being in a network. What we do is to benefit of many others as well. What we provide helps people, yes, with their physical needs, but also their academic needs, their aesthetic needs, and their spiritual needs. God has provided all of that for us, and that's why we view it as a gift. Finally, we see that work is one way of fulfilling God's purpose for us. God created us for work, and he created work for us. You go back to the Garden of Eden. God put mankind in that garden and told him to work the garden, 
to cultivate the ground, to name all the animals, and to take dominion over all creation for his, per for his good being and for his enjoyment. It was after the fall that our view of work became skewed, that we see it as burdensome and not always delightful, as more of an obligation. And because of that, then, the tendency sometimes is to be lazy, to look to others for handouts and mooch off of them, or simply to refuse to work. Now, while our presidential candidates are going to brag that each one will be the creator of more jobs, let's remember this, that God is the best creator of jobs. He has given us the skills and the abilities, the opportunities and the resources. What we need to do as human beings is simply to figure it all out, how it can all work together, and not let our sin nature get in the way. That's God's perspective on work. What's your perspective? How do you view your work? Well, if you enjoy what you do, maybe you do see it as a gift from God. But as far as work in general, how do you see it? Yes, it's an obligation. Yes, sometimes it's hard and not so delightful. Sometimes we might wish that we had a different job or work for someone else. Well, not me, of course. <laughs> but because of our sin nature, that gets in the way of our God view, our sacred view of what work is. We need to remind ourselves that God created us in Christ Jesus to do good works. That is, to do things that reflect his grace and his goodness for all people, for time and for eternity. And whatever occupation we have, whatever daily work we have, that's simply the situation in which God has allowed us to be that we may reflect his goodness and grace. It's actually pretty simple what we have to do to keep that view in mind. Put God in the center of our work. Don't crowd him out, don't stick him in the corner, but bring him to work with you. Make him part of your attitude and your actions, and you'll notice a change. Now, with that in mind, God wants us to have certain objectives as we work. Well, listen now to the words of the Apostle Paul as he was writing to the Colossians. And the first thing that he points out about objectives is that we should work with the right attitude. Now, you might think, okay, then I'll be able to enjoy my work, right? Because it's the kind of job I want to do. Have you ever seen the TV show Dirty Jobs? It's where a, a guy takes on experimenting with jobs that are real jobs that people do, but these jobs are very difficult, sometimes very dirty and smelly, and we would just not want to be part of that at all. But the people who are doing it, well, they enjoy it. So it's not necessarily always the outside feelings or experiences that we get that provide us with the right attitude, there's, there's something else. Let's listen to what Paul says. He says, slaves, now I need to stop there and explain that. Maybe sometimes we do feel like we're slaves, slaves to the boss. 
We have no say in anything. We always have to do it that way. And it's burdensome and toilsome, and I wish I could break those shackles. Well, first of all, remember that slavery back in Paul's day was not the kind of slavery that we had here in our country that was awful. Most of the times it was just slaves who had a debt to pay off. Or they were simply servants who were hired to do this particular work. So when he says slaves, just think of it as the working class of people. Okay? So, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. And do it not only when their eye is on you, and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. He's given us three aspects to a a right attitude for work. And first of all is obedience. Simply put, do what you're supposed to do. Don't take the shortcuts. Don't cheat. Don't be uncaring. Don't be neglecting of your duties. And don't simply be that way. When the boss is watching you, don't be a people pleaser but rather carry out your work with diligence. That is, as the scripture says, with singleness of heart. That is with faithfulness and honesty, being conscientious all the time. And the reason is you're doing it with reverence. He said, do it as you're working for the Lord. He didn't say as if you were working for the Lord. But he's taking God out of the corner and putting him front and center. And he's reminding us that our work is for the Lord, no matter what it is you're doing. Because God has given this as our responsibility. This is our duty to God. So our attitude is simply, I'm going to work my best, with my best heart, for the best master, the Lord. Paul goes on and gives us a second objective to have when we work. He says, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. He's reminding us here to work out of a sense of gratitude. Not just thankful that you have a job that can meet your needs, but for something higher. He refers to the fact that he has given us and inheritance. He has made us heirs of heaven. And that's not something that's come about because we've worked at it. In fact, everything we have done has disqualified us from being heirs of heaven. Just look at at your attitudes or actions toward work. Are there times when you complain? Are there times when you're unthankful for it? Are there times when you have been uncaring and neglectful? Those sins alone, as well as all the other sins we commit in our life, have disqualified us from heaven. But God has done the work to qualify us again. He's given us the gift of a right standing with him, that we can be considered heirs of heaven. For Jesus came and worked in our place working under all of the laws of God perfectly, and God in His grace takes Jesus' obedience and puts that on our work record. Jesus then laid down His life. 
He suffered the penalties for all of our offenses so that we would not have to. Therefore, God has erased our bad work record, not only replacing it with Christ's, but removing all of our faults so that now we qualify as heirs of heaven. All of that is a gift simply given to us through faith in Jesus Christ. We also recognize this, however. As heirs of heaven, God has also made us laborers in his field, workers in his kingdom. And that field is everywhere we are, at home, at school, at work, in the community, and yes, even here at church. We are to be working to share the love of Jesus Christ with our words, with our attitudes, with our actions. We can reflect that love of God to others. That's the work that he has called us to do. And that's why we work with an attitude of obedience, diligence, and reverence. It's a sense of gratitude. Paul gives us one more objective for our work. He says, anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. He wants us to work, to be a beatitude. I know that that sounds kind of strange, but it rhymed with attitude and gratitude. The word beatitude simply means a blessing. God wants us to do our work to be a blessing to others. He wants us to treat others fairly. Remember that code of conduct that we heard earlier in our scripture reading? How do you measure up with that? That's the way God wants us to treat others, with kindness and consideration. Whatever our work area may be, paid or unpaid, God has given us work to do. That work is to be his witness, it's to be a parent, it's to be a spouse. Did you ever consider being a spouse a job? Sometimes it, oh, I think I just lost brownie points. But to be a friend, to be a student, to be a worker or an inhabitant in this community, that's what God has called us to do and to reflect that fairness, that love of God in our attitudes and actions. In other words, he wants us simply to fulfill the law of love. As we love God above all things, we're going to reflect that in our attitude and actions toward others, showing his grace and goodness to others. Those are the objectives God wants us to have. To work with the right attitude, to work out of gratitude, and to work to be a beatitude, a blessing. In the days and weeks ahead, we're going to hear a lot about the unemployment in our country and the big problem it is right now. But maybe there's a bigger problem than people simply unemployed. Maybe it's the problem of poor employment attitudes and practices. And oftentimes, the heart of a problem is a problem of the heart. How is yours as you view and carry out your work? 
Now, I don't know what you're going to think politically, you know, who's got the best plans to fix our economy and the unemployment situation, but I can tell you this with certainty, that if you take God out of the corner and if you bring him to work with you, having him in your heart and your attitude so that you can reflect him in your words and your work. In other words, if you trust and follow God's labor's plan, then you will be blessed. Amen.